I will forever remember the election because I was sitting in a waiting room wondering if my dad was going to make it to see who the next president was. God just overwhelmed my heart to know that whether Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump would have become president, there would still be unrest in this world. Many of you voted, and I hope that you are happy. If you're not, I'm sorry, because I guarantee you in four years it might go the other way. I don't know. But I'm not here to preach politics because the overwhelming theme that God showed me this past week is that Satan will throw everything he has at you to sidetrack you from the two commands that Jesus said were most important. So as I begin this message, I stand here as a grateful man, grateful to a God that guides me when I have no direction, a God that holds me when I cannot stand and blesses me beyond what I deserve. Many have asked me, how are you doing? And my response usually depends upon the day. You know what I mean? One day you might be good, one day you might be bad, but I know what, in my goods and in my bads, I don't even know if that's good English, but in in the good and bad, God is there. Some days you feel strong, while other days you just feel nothing at all. And between the wreck, the daily stressors, and Dad's illness, I stand before you this morning as a man who is grateful. Grateful for the family and church God has blessed me with. I'm thankful for you. Thankful that I had the strength to dress myself and to have the privilege of speaking on his behalf today to you. And I'm not trying to elicit pity or or make this message about me, but I do feel that there is value in letting you know that even pastors don't have it all together. In this scary position of transparency that that I, I give you, I want you to know that God is in control. I'm not together, but God is in control. And I know that you know what that's like because you felt the same way. I mean, the whole last week has been a blur. And it was amazing that in the midst of all the, 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 the social media on the elections that, that friends and family still saw to pray for needs that I posted. But speaking of the fact that God is in control, how about this election? I will never forget this past election, as I said earlier, not only for the choices that we had to make, but remembering that I saw the real results come in. Many of you had the the blessing of being able to go to sleep and wake up the next morning. (laughs) But uh, I saw it as it happened. So two in the morning as they were working on my father, I saw it uh, come to light. And uh, I'm sorry for your loss if you voted the other way. And I'm happy for you if you voted the way that won, but either way, there's some that I don't really feel anything for because you didn't vote, but that's okay. You get what you get, right? But you see, whether our candidate won or they lost, our vote still counts. Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. (laughs) And... The thing is, is that the veterans we honor today and those that are serving probably have another view of this election. You see, they either gave or are giving their lives so that we quite literally have the right to vote. 
the right to protest, the right to pray, the right to live in a free country. But see, Jesus Christ gave his life as well. Uh, He gave his life for us to be free. He gave his life for us to be free to love God by providing a way for our sins and shortcomings to be forgiven. And like those in the armed forces, Jesus gave his life for our spiritual freedom, a freedom that continues beyond our grave into eternity. Where do we go from here? The election is over. The results are in. The media does not know what to do. All of their polls were off. All the strategists came up short. All of their earthly wisdom could not figure out what went on. Hollywood and California and New York and all these places that are known to be liberal are losing their minds. They don't know what's going on. And so the election is over and we see people that are protesting in the streets. We see people that are, they just can't handle the loss. How do we continue in our faith when looking at our outward circumstances? It would be easy for us to give into sin and doubt. However, how do we move on? Where do we go from here? We still have President Obama that is in office. Uh, President-elect Trump will not be in office until the 20th of, of January. And he'll have four years to do whatever he does. But you know what? Many of you have seen more presidents probably than I can count. And so as we look at these days, what, what do we tell our children that are on the back rows here about what happened this election? What do we tell those folks that are at the, the last moments of their life how this is going to affect them? And I'm going to tell you what. Ultimately, it doesn't affect you. Because God is on the throne. And right now, whether you feel like the world is heading in a positive direction or the world is heading in a negative direction, it does not matter what we feel because, again, God is on the throne. And we must never lose sight of our mission. We must never lose sight of our mission, church, is to love God and to love others. Look, you can get on the phone with your friends or you can get on social media and you can complain about one candidate or another candidate or in all of, in the weather and, and all of these things that are going on. And there are people that we have raised a generation of, of young people that when they were going through school, everyone got a trophy. Everyone got a passing grade. You didn't have to work for anything. And they never learned to fail. They never learned to lose. So the only thing they know to do is to cry and lash out like they did when they were younger. Look, I'm not throwing that generation under the bus. They are an an active and they are a, a vital generation to our nation. But ultimately, it's not about the boomers, the busters, the Xers, the wires, the Zers, or and all these other different generations we have, folks. We as a church have been given an opportunity to shine the light in a dark world. And our mission, our prerogative has not changed, and that is to love God and to love others. Let me tell you where this challenge came from. If you look in your Bibles, you can open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. John, chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 31 through 35 to begin with. He says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, 
God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Verse 33 says, Children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you, I give you a new command. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my, my disciples if you have love for one another. The first thing we see in this passage is that living as a Christian will be a challenge. Folks, if you signed up to be a Christian and you thought there wouldn't be resistance, you signed up in the wrong army. Because where there is an army, there is a fight. And where there is a fight, there is a battle. And where there is a battle, there is victory. And I'll go ahead and tell you, we have the victory, but we still have to fight the battle. What will our community, what will our world, what will our neighbors, what will our friends think if we wear our church t-shirts and we talk about what we did at church, but yet we downgrade every person that we we think about? (coughs) What if we talk about the people that we can't stand? What if we talk about those old nasty Democrats? Or what about those old Republicans? Or the Libertarians? Or those people that voted, those people that didn't vote, and, and how disappointed we are, folks. What, is that loving God and loving others? How about those special interest groups? Some of them it's hard to love, isn't it? But when Jesus gave this new command, notice it said when they had gone out. Jesus is giving his disciples, earlier he gave them a, an overview of his mission. And that was to do the work that the Father had sent him to do. Jesus also... If you read a few verses earlier than this, he washed the disciples' feet. The King of kings and the Lord of lords washing the disciples' feet. I'm just curious. Anybody ever had their their feet washed in the ceremony? (laughs) I have. How humbling it is to see someone washing your feet. I've even washed the feet of other people in a ceremony. And you think, oh, it's disgusting. I can't stand feet. And right now, some of you are going, move on, preacher. But back then, the feet were the nastiest part of a person's anatomy. Because they would put on these, these sandals that would have straps that would go up their legs and they would walk down these dirt roads and their legs would sweat. And so the sweat and the dust would turn to mud and, and I, you know, I'm not going to go any further. It was nasty. So Jesus was touching the nastiest part of these men's bodies. The King of Kings, their Lord, and washing them, washing their feet. It was a humble act of submission. Wow, the fact that our Savior took time to wash the disciples' feet. He was giving them an object lesson that even he as their king would be a servant and that they would have to do the same eventually. Also, in the, in the chapter before this, or in the verses before this, Judas's betrayal is depicted. It says... It's actually predicted. He, he says all of these things, and then Judas leaves the group, and then he goes on to give them this new command. The disciples were given a new command after Judas left. Jesus gives the disciples 
their challenge. It only seems to reason if Jesus will give him the news of his mission and give him the news of his betrayal, that obviously he would tell them about their mission. Jesus informs the disciples that they have limited time to learn from him. Because he says, look, I'll be here for a while. Reminds me of when you're at the bedside of a loved one, not knowing if you'll see him again. And you you rack your brain to think, what can I say that if this is our last moment together, what can they remember? What can I leave them with? Or maybe you're just praying that that person will give you release or peace or just something to know that they're going to be okay. This is Jesus' premonition of saying, hey, I'm not going to be here a long time. And so this is a very important message to them. And one day it will be too late to serve Jesus because just as he said there is limited time for him to be on earth, i got news for you, all of us have an expiration date. This world that we live in has an expiration date. We don't have forever. And so the question I want to ask you is, what are you doing with the time God has given you? What are you doing with the time God has given you? We all get the same amount of time during the day. Are we consumed by worry? Are we worried about political correctness or or maybe our bad habits or our addictions are getting the best of us? Maybe we live in a self-centered world where it's about gossip and finding out what's going on with everybody else so we can feel better about ourselves. Folks, if that is your life, you're wasting your life. That is not the command that Jesus gave the disciples, nor that he gave to us. If you are falling short in your duty to follow Jesus, this new command is good news for you. Isn't it amazing? He looked at this, these, this, this ragtag group of disciples. He saw his betrayer. He saw his best friend who would deny him. He saw the rest of his disciples that when it got tough at the crucifixion, they all scattered. He was looking at them and loving them and getting this mission. So my friend, if you came here to church this morning and you say, well, preacher, I've got issues. He knows that. And he loves you anyway. And he gives you this new command. Have you missed the new command? To love God and to love others. President Reagan uh, once told a funny story about a man named Alexander Dumas. He and a friend had had a very bad argument. So the matter got so out of hand that one challenged the other to a duel. Sir, I shall challenge you to a duel of pistols. Well, both Dumas and his friend were highly trained marksmen, so uh, feeling both men might fall in such a duel, they came up with another alternative. They resolved to draw straws instead. So whoever drew the short straw would promise to shoot himself. Well, Dumas was the unlucky one. He drew the short straw, so with a heavy sigh, He picked up his pistol, he left the group, and he went into the library, closed the doors, and he locked them. Then after a few minutes, pow, they heard the shot. 
Well, you know what everybody in the other room wanted to do. They want to see what happened. So they broke the door down, and they went in there, and they saw Alexander Dumas standing there with a pistol in his hand, with the smoke still coming out of the barrel. And he says, I did what I promised. What do you know? I missed. Folks, do not miss the challenge. Do not miss the new command God is giving us. In this midst of a post-election world, do not miss the new commandment. Do not miss our response to the elections, regardless of which candidate you voted for. Do not miss the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why we are here. That is why we worship. That is why we have breath. That is why we have a story. That is why we have a circle of influence, is to share the gospel. And Jesus' new command is our command, to love God and love others. In verse 34, he says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. Folks, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The dark days that we live in give us a greater opportunity as Christians and a church to shine. Experts say that evangelicals made a tremendous showing during the election. But see, with all the evangelicals voting and for a shift going to what some would say more of a a Christian nation, I don't know if we could ever get back to that, but with things swinging the other way, you know what's going to come with that, don't you? Persecution, resentment, and hatred. Those who do not hold the same values as us, they will give pushback because no one likes to lose. Many will be hurting. You see photos of disappointed voters crying their eyes out because their political Messiah fell. You see protests. You see social media outcry. The younger generation doesn't even know how to lose gracefully. But how do we respond? Loving others is what Christ desires the most from us. Folks, whether we tithe, whether we teach, whether we sing, serve, or preach, He wants it to come from a place of love. 1 Corinthians 13 says that whatever you do, if you do it without love, you are like a loud annoying symbol. That would be like if we hired Nathan to take this cajon to your bedroom and wake you up every morning by banging on it. Anybody want you'll Nathan will do that for about five bucks if you want that now. <clears throat> I'm just you know we didn't talk about that, but I'm sure you five bucks? Yeah. So if you have somebody you don't like, Nathan will come wake them up. Boo, 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 boo. But just as annoying as that would be, that is what happens when we, as the self-righteous folks we think we are, look at people with contempt, with disgust. And the things that we do are not born out of love for somebody, but out of serving our own needs. But you see, loving others is impossible. You cannot love someone else unless you love God first. Now, I look, you can have the... You know, the, the, the nice kind of love that you have during Valentine's Day and, and the way our, our world defines love now is not in any kind of emotional state but more in a physical state. It's more lust than love nowadays. But to know true love, to know what true love is, whether you be a child, 
a teenager or someone that has been longer, been around longer than I've been alive. We know true love if we know God. And we know God if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So the only way to know that you are loved is to be loved. The only way that you can love others that do not deserve it is to remember what it was like to not deserve love and get it anyway. That's how you love others. You remember what you've been given. The third thing we see is that we must love people like Jesus loves them. How many of y'all like peanuts? Not not the food, but the cartoon. Hey, that's good too. Some of you are like, well, I'd like to have a handful of peanuts right now. But but let me show you a, a picture of, of this is one of the famous uh, scenes where Charlie Brown would go get some, some psychiatric help from Lucy, which is kind of funny in of itself. But there was a time where Lucy was standing with her arms folded with an unpleasant grimace on her face. And Charlie Brown pleads with her. He pleads, you must be more loving. This world really needs love. You have to let yourself Love to make the world a better place in which to live. Well, Lucy whirls around in a huff that causes Charlie Brown to do a backflip. And then she screams, look, blockhead, the world I love, it's the people I can't stand. I said before, boy, I don't like that person, but I love him because Christ told me to. You know what I mean? But folks, honestly, we must love one another. We cannot love this world and not love the people we're in it. I'm going to meddle just for a minute. You must love other races and other nationalities. Even the Muslims. We must love those. Oh boy, here it goes. We must love those that have a sexual orientation that is different from ours. We must love those that have different spiritual beliefs. We must love those that have different political views. We must love all people enough to build relationships with them to share the gospel. Because people who are far from God, they have enough people telling them what they're doing wrong. Now, let me, let me just give you a disclaimer. I, I don't agree with any of those things that I mentioned. And if someone is in sin, I will do my best to plead with them in love to direct them to the Heavenly Father. But some of you in here, you know what I'm talking about. You won't talk about it in church, but you know someone, maybe in your family or in a friend's family that might be a different nationality, that might have sexual orientation problems. So what do we do? Do we shut them out? Do we tell them everything the Bible says about them that they're doing that's wrong? Well, folks, we've got to be very careful if we do that, because if we do that, that means that we've got to be living right too. So I'm not saying that we condone behavior. I'm not saying that we don't take a stand for biblical values, but I'm saying that while we take our stands, we better do it in love. Because I, I, I was blessed to know that after I made my post uh, on Facebook, that I have people on my friends list, believe it or not, that are not Christians. 
I have people on my friends list that are atheists. I have some that have different sexual orientations. Over the years, I've seen kids that I had in youth groups go on to do great things for the Lord. And I've seen others that have lost their way. But you know what? They prayed for my dad. And I'll be able to tell them of the glories of God and that if they have needs in their life, it's not going to be found in what they're chasing, but it's going to be found in the one that they're worshiping. So don't go out of here and say that Preacher James has gone liberal. That's not what I'm saying. I believe that homosexuality is wrong. I believe that lying is wrong. I believe that gluttony is wrong, and I'm working on it. A sin is a sin is a sin. And so let's let the Holy Spirit point out sins, and let's maybe show them some love. Because the great command said, love God and love others. Is it too simple, folks? To love God and to love others. What do people see and hear when you talk about this world and you talk about this current election? Do they see or hear love? That's between you and the Lord. And if they don't, they ought to. We do not agree with someone's sin. However, we approach them in the same way that Jesus did when he ate and ministered to sinners. Yes, Jesus approached women of the night. Jesus approached those tax collectors. Jesus approached people that would be outcast, lepers. He, he touched a leper to clean him. He didn't have to teach him, but he touched him. Folks, it's time for us to quit being Baptists to be Christians. I have no problem with being a Baptist. I am Southern Fried Baptist all the way through. And I believe for me that, that we are the closest to what the Bible says. But there are other people that think the th- same thing about their denomination. But we know that Christ is King. We know that we can only get to heaven through Him. And the only way to heaven is to accept Him into our lives as, Jesus, as, as our Savior and Lord. So why should we love others? that have different colors of skin? Why should we love people that don't agree with us politically? Why should we as a church, somebody be able to come to this church that voted for Hillary and feel love? Why should someone who comes into this church and voted for Trump to feel love? Because if they go out into the world, they'll see protest. But hopefully in here, they will see Jesus through you. And more importantly, when they're walking through your neighborhood, I mean, the the election hadn't even started, and I was getting some groceries from my mom in Spartanburg, and there was already this guy in the line talking about how much better this world was going to be now that Trump was president. And I'm like, oh, man, dude. Of all the things you could talk about, why don't you talk about Jesus? And I told him as he was talking, I said, you know what? People, I didn't tell them the way I voted. I'm not going to tell you how I voted, but I voted the way the Lord led me to vote. But I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter who I cast my vote for in this political race. My vote is with Jesus Christ and his word. And I have ultimate faith that whether it be a man, a woman, or a baboon, that God will use them for his glory. And how in the world can we love others?
because he first loved us. Why did Jesus call this a new command? I'll tell you why. Because before Jesus in the new covenant, we had to gain forgiveness through priests, through temple sacrifices. We had to go to Jerusalem once a year and have our sins atoned for. And, and the Pharisees, they lived their entire lives by the Ten Commandments and all the laws that were associated with us. And as Jesus said, he didn't come to, to cancel the law. He came to fulfill the law. I, I used to love Cliff Notes in high school. You remember Cliff Notes? Where you'd have this big book to, to read, and then you'd have to give a book report on it. But Cliff Notes, they do all the reading for you, and they put it in a smaller... It was like the Internet before the Internet was Internet, right? And so you would get the Cliff Notes, and I'm sure the teachers knew when it was a Cliff Note report. But you gave them just the facts. And so in, in a lot of ways... Jesus' new command are the cliff notes to the Ten Commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments, some of them deal with our relationship with God and the others deal with our relationship with others. So Jesus just made it really simple. Don't worry about the laws. They're important. But let me sum it up for you. Love God and love others. That is our command. That is how we act after this election. That is how we go into the new year. And that is how we view the world as we continue to love our families. We continue to worship. We continue to serve God. Is that they see the love of Christ in us. That is our plan. That is our mission. Because we are children of the King bought with His blood. And we have a mission. We need to stay on it. We love others. Because Jesus first loved us. Folks, we have a responsibility after this election. There's a, um, a man named Russell Moore. He is over the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of our Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, he gave a podcast uh, the other day. I wanted to share with you just a quick highlight of it. He said, what do we do after the election? Number one, we have a responsibility to pray for and honor our leaders. Our prayer team sits in that room, the choir room in the back, and for a year or years, ever since I got here, we prayed for President Obama as a man and as a leader. Do I agree with everything he did? Absolutely not. But we prayed for him. Our church has prayed for him. And you know what? We'll pray for President Trump, too. He's not Trump. He's not the Donald. He's not whatever people call him. He is President-elect Trump. And then when he gets into office, he will be President Trump. And to call him any less is a sign of disrespect. Just like people will just call Obama, Obama. He's President Obama. And we as a Christian, if, if we will not follow the government guidelines that have been given us, what makes us think that people will see us as God-fearing, God-loving citizens. We've got to support those that we have a responsibility to pray for them. We have a priority. Remember, it's not about politics. Our greater priority is the mission of loving God and loving others. And wherever those two collide, we always take loving God and loving others. And the third thing is, 
is that the church has an opportunity to show God's love to a world that is looking for it. There are many people that will never go into a church again because a preacher or a leader or a Bible study teacher got off on a political rant on the candidate that they thought ought to win. It's not about politics, folks. It's about our mission, loving God and loving others. And then finally, I would just say this. Don't be like Alexander Dumas and miss the point of this election. The point of this election is is this. There is no man, there is no woman that will be our Savior. Our Savior has already come, and his name is Jesus Christ. We know he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you put your hope in a politician, in a news report, in an opinion poll, and you you left the election horrified and scared, I got to tell you, there is a power greater than any president. That is Jesus Christ. And if you want to come to him, he will take you just like the disciples, issues and all. Bring your baggage to him, and he'll take care of you. He loves you and wants to forgive you for your sins. And we love God and we love others because he loved us first. So, what do we do after the election? We live the gospel and we share the gospel. That's what we do. Let's pray. God, thank you for this church service this morning. And Lord, uh, there are plenty of people in our world today that have no hope and are full of anger because their candidate didn't win. Or maybe their candidate did win and they have false hope. But if there's someone here that realizes that this world is out of control, that's no newsflash. We know that. But it's going to be a lot worse when you remove your hand from it. So, Lord, if there's one person here that wants to know you as Savior and Lord and and cast the vote of their heart for you as their Savior and Lord, May they come forward. I'll pray with them. In our church, we will rejoice with them. If they don't want to come up here by themselves, let them grab the hand of someone beside them. But Lord, we will rejoice if you move someone into your kingdom. And secondly, Lord, we need to quit being negative Nancys and bitter Bettys. We need to make sure that we are loving you and loving others in all of our actions because that will be what gives our world hope the gospel of your son Jesus Christ and if there is someone here today that needs encouragement in that needs prayer in that may they come forward maybe someone wants to just come to our altar and pray for their own needs or maybe someone wants to join this church however it may be Lord may you work in their lives and when they stand up they would respond by coming down front for it's in your name we pray Amen. Would you please stand?